Hey everybody, good to see you, whether you're in the Somerset area, Flemington, Kansas City, Orlando, Florida, or watching anywhere else in the world, uh, it's so good to be with you guys. Uh, we are in week two of a series in the book of Joshua called Fearless, and we're looking at six major themes to instill courage in us that allow us to overcome the things that typically cause us fear. Now, we face all kinds of fears, and they started the very moment that we were self-aware. We feared the dark. We feared the boogeyman. We feared uh, the monster under the bed. And isn't it true, the older we get, the more things we have to fear. Now we fear heights and closed spaces and open spaces. We fear flying and spiders and cancer and COVID. Uh, we fear all kinds of things in our lives today. Uh, we feel downturns in the market, kids on drugs, and, and unfaithful spouses. And in spite of all of these things, the number one command in all of the Bible is do not fear. So this is the tension that we have to manage in our fears and our relationship with God. Sometimes fears are like doors that we face that say the unknown doors that are chosen for us, uh, doors that we choose ourselves. But no matter what kind of door it came to us in whatever way, we eventually have to go through the door. And everybody who is watching knows what it's like to kind of step in to the unknown. We've all been to a place where we're facing a door and we're not really sure what's on the other side, but we know we have to step through it. Uh, maybe it was your very first day of school or your first date or your first uh, calculus exam. Uh, it, it could have been uh, the, the whole unknown idea of getting married to somebody and what's it going to be like to spend the rest of my life with the same person. Or maybe it was the unpredictability of being a parent and raising a child and not really knowing whether everything was going to turn out right. Or maybe in, even more severe, it was a, an emotional breakdown, an aggressive cancer, or uh, hearing your spouse say, I'm leaving you. When these are the kinds of doors that we face, when we stare at those kinds of doors, it has the power to take us down. It has the ability to make us completely stop in our tracks. And we often don't know what to do about these kinds of things. And for some of you, these are no longer hypothetical situations. They are your current reality. And for others of you, they may be soon. So what do we do when we have to step through a door called the unknown? We're going to talk about today uh, in our message of fearless footsteps stepping into the unknown. So if you have a Bible with pages that turn or a screen uh, that scrolls, let me invite you to get to the book of Joshua. It is the sixth book in the Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua. Uh, also, if you have the ZCC app, you might want to open that up. We've got some notes in there that will help you kind of follow along with today's talk. And they're in the Connect section. If you don't have the app, uh, be sure to go to whatever app store that you go to and download the app so that you'll be ready to go next time. Last week, we looked at the beginning of Joshua's new journey as the new leader of the nation of Israel. He's now going to lead the people into the land that had been promised to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, a land that had been promised but not possessed. And in order for them to possess the land, they have to go into battle with some of the most fierce and powerful people in the Eastern world. 
But God comes to Joshua and he says, I don't want you to be afraid because here's the great reminder. I will be with you. And with that, Joshua has rallied his troops and now they are getting ready to take their first step toward the promised land. If you read in chapter 2, you saw that uh, Joshua sent two spies into an area called Jericho. And those two spies encountered a woman by the name of Rahab, and Rahab promised to help them if they promised to deliver her and her family on the day of battle. So they make an agreement. The two spies go back to camp. They report to Joshua. They say, everything is good to go. We're ready to take on Jericho. But first, they have to step into the unknown. So let's pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. So they break camp at Shittim and they come to the Jordan River. Now, verse 15 tells us it is at flood stage. So uh, Mount Hermon in the north, the snow that would have melted during this time of year would have forced the water and it would be ripping through the river. And here's a picture of probably a little bit of what it looked like uh, during that time during flood stage. Now, uh, camping there uh, by the Jordan when the water is rushing like this would have created quite a buzz. It would have given a lot of the kids, you know, I don't know if you ever did that thing where you threw a stick in the water and watch it go down, uh, but they were probably throwing logs into this water and it was ripping these logs all the way down and it was creating fear inside of them. This kind of sense of impossibility that they would actually be able to cross over the river. And that's how God wanted it. That was God's plan. Because this generation needed to see God's power over this body of water, just like the previous generation had seen God's power over the Red Sea. And now they are ready to do it. Joshua, though, had no idea, no knowledge, no revelation of how they were going to get across that rushing river. But he knew that God had a plan. And here's kind of a big idea for us. Uh, When stepping into the unknown... Follow the God who has been there before. Look at what the text says. After three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. They said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Uh, before God revealed the pathway across the river Jordan, he first revealed the person. He said, Follow me, follow the ark. Now, if you don't know, the Ark of the Covenant was really a rectangular box about uh, 27 by 27 by 45. It was overlaid with gold. The top of it had these uh, gold cherubs that are facing each other. And inside of the Ark of the Covenant were three things, a tablet of the Ten Commandments, uh, Aaron's rod, and a jar of manna, all of these representing the faithfulness of God. The ark itself was a physical reminder 
of the presence of God and what God said to Joshua in chapter 1, verse 5, when he said, I will be with you. So the idea here is that they were to follow God's presence. Uh, God was to go before them. And here is perhaps one of the greatest insights from this text for all of our spiritual lives. When you are stepping into the unknown, never, never go ahead of God. You see, you and I, we've never been there before. We don't know where to go. He has, he does. But as they follow, they follow from a distance. Did you notice that? A thousand yards away. Don't get near the ark. Why is that? Well, one, practically, so they could actually see the ark. That was the center of God's activity. You know, you, you had maybe millions of people that were crossing over this river. They had to have a sense of where is God in this moment? But secondly, it was to give them a reminder of the sacredness of the ark and the holiness of the God that it represented. In a way, and you got to hear this right, it was to give them a healthy fear of God. You see, some fear is good, and we've all had occasions in our life where we learn we should have been more fearful than we actually were. I remember a number of years ago, my extended family uh, went down to the Florida Keys, and on one particular day, we were snorkeling, and I came across this really cool thing. It was a black and white, kind of a leopard stingray, and this is kind of what the stingray looked like. And I was like, that thing is beautiful, and I don't know why I got this idea in my head, but I said, I just want to pet it. And so I kind of uh, hovered over it, and it was just kind of sitting there, kind of floating, and I reached my hand uh, uh, across its back, and it was so, so smooth. And, and I should have just left it alone, but, but I wanted to do it one more time. And so I put my hand over there, and as soon as I did, it flipped its tail up like a scorpion and jabbed its barb right into the base of my hand. Ah! I mean, I was like in excruciating pain. I have never felt anything so painful in all of my life. In fact, it sent a venom right into my nervous system and it began to compromise, uh, you know, my body. And so I started to kind of lose consciousness. My brother-in-law, one of them, was in the water with me and he swam over, got me and put me back into the boat. My hand was on fire and it was so painful. Now, I wasn't crying, okay, but I was screaming. And then my other brother-in-law, who's from South Carolina, who has this really great Southern drawl, he says, I heard that uh, if you pee on that, it'll feel better. You want me to pee on that? And uh, I was like, yeah, that may be true, but I'll take my chances. We're not going to do that. So I suffered all the way to the hospital until they finally put a shot of morphine right into the wound and then all was well. But from that moment, I have had a healthy fear of stingrays, as one should. You see, some fear is good. In fact, fear is good if it leads you to God. Fear is good if it leads you to God. And this is kind of the delicate tension that we manage in our relationship with God. You know, you have a God that you fear, hear me out. The, the, the tension that we manage is this close, personal, comforting, 
presence. That is true. But then there is the awesome, holy glory of God. And these things must be married, and neither one of these can ever be forgotten. They are held in perfect tension in our relationship with God. So follow the ark was the command. And now that the people had their focus on God outwardly, they were now to prepare and focus on themselves inwardly. This is what Joshua says. He says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Not sharpen your swords. No, 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 no. But check your hearts. This was not a military preparedness that God was asking of them. It was a spiritual preparedness. And the word consecration is kind of an interesting word. You find it in the Bible. You don't find that in a lot of other places. But consecration meant to fully give yourself to something, to dedicate yourself to something. And it would have entailed things like uh, bathing, washing your clothes, abstaining some sexual activity. And these are the very commands that were given to the previous generation when God gave them the Ten Commandments. And these acts of, uh, of consecration are physical expressions of a spiritual preparedness. It, it was kind of the people's way of saying, we get it. We know who you are, God. We know you are holy. We know you are calling us to do something that is beyond us. We are ready and we are anticipating seeing you do something miraculous. Here's the point. When stepping into the unknown, prepare yourself spiritually for what is ahead. And here's why. See, some of you are facing a door right now that is marked cancer or adultery or divorce or drugs. Others of you are facing a, a, a better door. It's called opportunity and promotion and reward. And I know that you want to see God do some amazing things, big things, beyond you things, miraculous things. But before you step through this door, you have to prepare yourselves fully for what is on the other side. You consecrate yourself through Scripture and through prayer and through fasting and through worship and through community. And Zarephath, we, you and I, us as a community, we are facing our own door. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we know. There's a lot of good things that are absolutely clear about who we are and where we are going. But there's a lot of things that we don't have a clue about right now. And if we want to experience something miraculous, we have to dedicate, we have to, borrowing this word, consecrate ourselves. Because if we don't, we just might, we probably will miss out on the miraculous activity of God because we were not in step with His presence. So now the plan unfolds. And the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Uh-huh. Uh, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know the living God is among you. As soon as the priest who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set forth in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off 
and stand up in a heap. Now, these are fearless footsteps, especially for the priest who are going to go first, and leaders always do. So the miracle has been revealed. They know that God is going to do something. They know it's going to be dry. They know everything is going to stop. But it is not going to happen until when? Until they step into the unknown. The miracle will not take place until the very moment the priests step their feet into the rushing river and not a moment before then. Will it work? They don't know. Joshua doesn't know. But here's what they believe. When stepping into the unknown, you can trust the Word of God. You can believe what God says. What was at stake here, by the way? You know what was at stake here? God's integrity, God's faithfulness. God's not going to let that be compromised. And it was the people's trust in God that took them to the very edge of the river, that took them to the threshold of the door. That's what brought them there. And here's what happened. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. The priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. And the priest came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner, listen, no sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. Now, folks, that's what I call a miracle. And look at the features of the miracle. There are six particular features of this. Number one, it happened just as God said. No guesswork. No, oh, it's going to happen, and then we're going to rewrite the history. No, it happened just like God said. Number two, the timing was exact. Number three, the river was at flood stage. Number four, the water held for many hours until a couple of million people crossed over the river. Number five, the river bottom was dry. And then number six, immediately, as soon as the priest came out of the water, it returned just like it had been before. Now, I don't know about you, and there are times when I get a little sideways on this. There are times when I kind of lose my perspective and my faith on this, but God still performs miracles. Now, I know it's hard. I don't know what you're going through right now personally. I don't know what kind of pain that, that you, you have in your life right now. But it gets hard. It's hard even when you have a clear word from God. They, they knew exactly what was going to happen. God said, if you do this, this will happen. We don't actually have that. I mean, you probably don't have that, right? You don't have a clear word that your spouse is going to come back to you, that your cancer is going to be healed that your dream is going to be realized, that promotion is actually going to come through, that your finances are going to be restored. No, no, you probably don't have that. But I pray that you'll keep moving forward anyway. I pray that that won't stop you 
And I pray that that won't stop us as a church from continuing to live courageous lives and move forward, even though it's not happening the way that we had planned. And here's what I can guarantee you. As you continue in your fearless footsteps, you will see, you will see the faithfulness of God. It might not happen the way that you would imagine. It might not happen the way that you had hoped for, but you will see it. And then finally, when you come through the unknown, build a memorial to God's faithfulness. This is a very important idea, guys. Very important idea. You see, once they all got on the other side of the Jordan, God told Joshua, what I want you to do is send a representative from each of the 12 tribes, send them back into the riverbed before, and I want them to grab a stone, and I want them each to carry it to wherever you're camping. And I believe they took these stones wherever they went. And they stacked these stones up, and God said, put them there so that whenever your children ask you, what do those stones mean? You tell them about the miraculous delivery, the faithfulness, the presence of God for his people. God knew that they needed to see this miracle. And the miracle that was performed shouldn't be forgotten. And God knew that they needed a memorial. God knew that they needed a physical reminder of not only his presence, but also of his faithfulness. Something that would help them remember. You see, remembering is a way for a present generation to participate in the activity of God in the past. It's a way for them to hear the story, to tell the story again, so that it would instill courage in us now that what God did back then, he can still do today. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. What God did back then, he can still do today in your life. It's not just a story that happened in the past. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has the same power and the same authority and the same promise to fulfill in your life that no matter where you go, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Let me ask you a question. Has God been faithful to you? Have you experienced his awesome power in deliverance of some kind? Have you experienced his tender mercy the touch of just the gentleness of God when you needed it the most? You should remember that. You should write that down. You should memorialize that. On Christmas Day 2017, I gave my wife, Donita, a gift. It was this journal. And from Christmas 2016 and every single day, I wrote in this journal to her, and I wrote prayers and promises, and inside this journal, there are dreams and there are hopes, there are fears, there are expectations, there are longings, there are moments of celebration, and there are prayers, and there are prayers, and there are prayers. This is her favorite gift that she has ever received from me because it represents my heart and my love for her 
and it represents my faith and my trust in God for our future. She reads it over and over again. It's an important part of our journey. It's our memorial to God's faithfulness. And the prayers inside of this journal led us to this place, to this moment, to our own door that was marked the unknown. And I think we all need memorials like this of God's faithfulness. What are yours? What are the physical things that you have in your office, around your house, in your car, that if somebody was to look at that and go, what is that? You would be able to say, let me tell you a story about a door that I once walked through and God was with me all the way. You see, this isn't just a Bible story that we tell children. This isn't just something that happened back then. I believe Israel's story, not the unique specificity, but the general sense that God is with us, God is faithful, God is powerful, that story can be ours. There are miracles on the other side of this door, but we will never, ever experience them until we open it and step through. God, this is our hope. This is our prayer. This is our faith. We want to be people who are strong and courageous because we live with the confidence that you are with us, that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. So for every individual who is participating in this service, I pray that you would remind them that you will meet them exactly where you are, that you have the power to deliver them, that they don't need to be fearful and just stare at a door, that they can be strong and courageous and open it and pass through because the same God that led Israel across the Jordan is with them and can lead them to a place of flourishing. Help us to believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we want to keep this conversation going. And so uh, for those of you that are watching online, we just want you to continue to engage. And so we're always going to have questions here that will help you uh, to kind of interact with those that you're watching this with. Maybe you're by yourself, maybe with your family, uh, maybe you're in a life group, or uh, maybe you're with your spouse or, or with your kids. Uh, here are three questions that can keep the conversation going. Number one, what door have you been through in the past and how did God provide as you followed him? And then who needs to hear that story? A second question, what door are you currently facing and what fears are coming along with it? And then number three, how can you prepare yourself spiritually for what is ahead? I hope you'll engage these questions and God will instill within you a greater sense of confidence as you move forward in your courageous faith. We'll see you next week.